Hey guys, Trey Llewellyn here, Commerce Kings podcast. We got Ezra Firestone of all people on this on this gig. I don't know how we keep getting rock stars. Like these rock stars just keep showing up on this podcast. And it's absolutely phenomenal. So, dude, you're a rock star. You're absolutely amazing. We were just kind of chatting a little bit, and uh, I was like, we just need to start recording. So let's let's continue. Thanks, our- yeah, you know, this came about on a pirate ship, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, us, we did. Yeah, absolutely. A pirate's code. We planned this, I think, a long time ago when we were hanging out at that pirate house. Um, but, yeah, what I was saying was that, you know, I've now run um, multiple different business models at scale. So, like, a couple – I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, software as a service, right? I have a Zipify app where I build apps for Shopify stores. Yep. Um, I've done – I have – Smart Marketer, which is selling informational courses and putting on events and doing masterminds and coaching. Um, I have Boom by Cindy Joseph and Be Friendly, which are physical product brands. And I've done all kinds of different models. I used to sell services and consulting. And what I found was that at scale, e-commerce, far and away for what I'm trying to do, which is build lifestyle businesses, is the best. And let me explain why. So just think about me... So two businesses that I'm currently running, Zipify apps, um, 1.5 million, 2 million this year, you know, so a couple hundred grand a month, uh, only two years old, software as a service for Shopify stores, right? Mm. That brand at, let's say 2 million in revenue for 2018, which I think where we'll be, has more customer support people and more ongoing cycles than boom, at 20 million in revenue. Wow. So the difference is in, there's like, I think there's really three categories to a, to a company. In my, from what I, my experience, okay? There's marketing, yep. then there is supply chain, and then there is support. And that's really it, man. So for Zipify, um, supply chain is very difficult because with Boom, I'm selling tubs of goo. Right? Like, really? <laughs> Don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. No, no, tell them. Listen, it's a high-quality tub of goo. You cannot get a better tub with goo in it, right? It's, like, handmade. It's edible. It's organic. It's wonderful goo, but, like, it's a mix of some goo in a plastic container with a label on it. In itself. I'm selling 10,000 of these a month or whatever it is, right? At scale, it's more tubs, more goo, more labels. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Zipify. Zipify is, um, it's code, man. I'm selling lines of code. I'm a code dealer. And the product, the tub of goo changes every week. I'm constantly making it better, doing integrations, adding stuff. The product is always changing, Mm. which is very difficult at scale to plan what you're building and what you shouldn't build and what integrations you need to do and what bugs you need to fix. And like, it's a nightmare of a product at scale. Software is very hard at scale. Then let's move to the support pillar. Well, for Boom, you know what support is, dude? It's refunds. I didn't get it's my goo. What's in the goo? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, ingredients. It's, it's not like hard. Right. Now let's go back to Zipify. Zipify, uh, the support folks need to know everything that is already in the app and everything that we've built and everything that's coming up. They need to be experts. So that the caliber of the, of the support person is a much um, more, um, 
I'd say higher level knowledge worker. It's harder work. It's more, it requires way more thinking uh, than doing refunds and talking about ingredients, right? So you need people who are, you need to be documenting everything that you did and uh, teaching it to your support team so that they can then educate the customers who are using the app. And you need to document everything that you built. So as you fix the product, change the product, add to the product, you have to constantly document it so you can educate the people who are using it and so that you can market new features to new people, right? Mm -hmm. And then marketing, so, so supply chain and support are easily 10 times as hard in software, I would say, as someone who runs businesses. And I, let's say a business at scale, I would say, I would argue is half a million to a million in revenue, a couple employees, some consistent processes. You're kind of at scale now, right? So if we're talking about what business model do we want to build for the kind of life that I want to live, which is like, dude, you, I was in my backyard hanging out. When, when this started, it was too windy. You couldn't hear the microphone. So I'm interested in, in building um, an empire, to use the lingo of our time, our, our time the parlance of our time, yeah. that does not take over my life, that does not become all I do, but that is in support of the rest of my life. And so when I look at models, what I've found is that e-commerce is the best for me because it, it affords me, you know, boom, at 25 employees, 30 employees maybe in that company, uh, on my team, uh, 20 million a year. I could leave that business for a month or two. It's fine. Yeah, it's right. set up because the real key for e-commerce at scale is marketing, video advertising, content marketing, sales funnels, optimization, email, the stuff that I love and I'm really good at, you know, telling stories. It's the same thing for software. It's the same thing for information publishing, which you and I both do, right? Like Commerce Kings podcast is, is I would argue, an equivalent model-ish to Smart Marketer, which is a, uh, an information publishing business where we are influencers ourselves. We're kind of the product, and we're selling courses and education on how to grow your business, and we're putting content out. That business model is amazing, but it is also harder than e-commerce at scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical product wise. I love like I love physical products. You're selling goo. I'm selling trinkets. You know, is what, what somebody told me the other day. He's like, Oh, how's those trinket funnels going? I was like, Hey, they're producing, man. They're making cash. That's what that's what the best thing about it is. And they and listen, they never knock a hustle. Don't be ashamed of your trinket. Oh, I'm not ashamed of all any of my trinkets. I love my trinkets. I I'll tell you what though, I will say this on a on an e-commerce level that what we found out, we started uh, selling to women with bracelets and then we moved to men. Women are, are harder customers to, for us, for us anyways, to satisfy. Uh, we saw that they're calling in and they, that's less that to do the support customer support. Yep. Yep. Refunds. Um, you know, just like, Hey, you know, it's not what I thought it was. And that was probably on our part, you know, I didn't describe it good enough. Uh, and they were just like more hasty. And then the men they're, they're either like, I need a refund, uh, very demanding or they're, they're just like, ah, whatever. I'll just keep it. And then I'll, you know, never do anything with it. So it's interesting to hear you talk about boom because boom is all women. I would say the majority of it anyways. And I mean, listen, we have our problems. We can't get people to hang up. They, I have <laughs> set a limit. If a customer is on with you for more than eight minutes, you must end this call because people want to talk and tell us about their grandkids. And it's like, yep. we have to cut. <laughs> we have our yep. problems. Okay. But it's still yep. easier than software or information publishing or services services you're the punching bag. Anytime anything goes wrong, you're in the ring just taking blows, man. When I did services, I had a hard time with services because I found it very difficult to draw a container around where the service ended. 
I struggled with that. Some people don't have boundary problems. I had problems with boundaries. I could not like end a service agreement and be like, no, this is not part of what you paid for. And anytime anything went wrong, people take it out on you, the service provider, the consultant I found, right? And I've sold, I did, I had multi-million dollar a year agency. I did the whole thing. It was great business, but it was, it was still harder, I think, than e-commerce. Speaking of problems, man, what, we never really got to this at, at Las Vegas. What, like, what kind of problems have brought you maybe like to your knees where you're like with boom or something, you're like, man, I, I don't even know if I'm going to make it or, or maybe with the Zipify thing. Like, like I've had, we've been sued for millions of dollars. We've had, you know, chargeback issues or merchant account issues, like stuff that I don't ever want anybody to, to go through to whereas like, I'm just trying to like, what, what, what kind of stuff has happened to you that you're like, man, I, I don't know if we're going to do this anymore. Um, I've always had the desire to continue, but I mean, look, we all get hit with crippling blows. You don't make it in this industry without going through some near bankruptcies, some you screwed up on your taxes, like whatever it is, everyone has their, their things that have happened to them. I would say one that happened recently, just recently, man, like for one of my brands, I have this brand. I don't really talk about it publicly. Uh, it's one of my more private e-commerce brands. It does about a million and a half a year, uh, just getting started. And um, we got a bad batch of product. Oh. And this, like a bad batch of like 3,000 units. Now, we have this particular product contract manufactured. It's one of the ones that we don't manufacture ourselves. We, I'm now at a, at a place where I have my own, you know, I'm doing my own stuff. But I, that's only, you know, in the last couple of years. And for most of my career, I contract manufacture things. So this contract manufacturer, been using them for a year or two, you know, uh, they ship now directly to Amazon on our behalf. We don't even filter it through. Oh, um, so you, got, you didn't even inspect it when it went through? Because I have them trained on what we need. You know, it's yeah. been, you know, well, now we do. But yeah, so this was, a, there's a mistake, right? Number one, before mm-hmm. your product goes to retail, always look at it yourself. I personally made that mistake, right? I've been using these people. They've been fine. I figured what, cut out the shipping cost, right? Yep. Yep. Didn't work. So anyways, I had a, a bad batch of about 3,000 units of product that were uh, rancid and customers were receiving them and there was no, and, and um, leaving negative one-star reviews um, mm. and on it, this is an Amazon business in particular. Um, anyways, it's like, man, you know, if you have to recall all of your inventory and shut down your listing and turn off sales with a business that doesn't have a lot of cash flow, that's kind of break even every month and is, you know, mostly doing, it it can cripple your business and shut you down. And we almost had to shut down. It was tough, man. And that stuff happens, man. I can, I can count. I have screwed up so many things. I have messed up. Um, uh, It's going to happen to you, man. It's like, how do you respond to, um, crisis mode. Do you freak out and tense up and seize up and go all crazy? Or are you, uh, approach it like you're riding a wave and the best way to approach an intense situation is to be calm, to ask questions, to look for the quickest solution, to, uh, confront all of the potential possibilities such as ending the company, going out of business, stopping it. Like, you know, you take inventory, where am I at? What happened? How did I get here? And how can I fix this? And you don't fix a mistake in a mistake mode. You clear your head. You don't, uh, you see people make stuff worse by freaking out all crazy and like doing something hastily. I always sit back, 
relax, take a look at it, and just like try to be a little more deliberate and slower with how I respond. It, it doesn't make sense. Counterintuitive to, to respond to an emergency uh, from like a chill, chill place, but it, it's helped me. It does. Well, one, one thing that, so I was not in that chill place when we went through some of our bigger, uh, it's hard. And cause if you don't have a system in place, uh, with yourself, with your internal, I think you're really big on this, uh, kind of like woo woo stuff, but like a morning, just well, a mindset, right? Everything's happening mindset. in your head. So. Yeah. Morning meditation, morning, morning ritual, something that, you know, puts you in that Zen mode or that zone that your mind is like, okay, we're in sync. Now let's make a decision versus, hey, uh, you got a and d or the BBB's out your front door. The Attorney General just showed up and you're like in a panic, right? You start going into a, a panic, all of which have happened to me. So Totally, man. Like, Listen, no, no, no. You're, well, I think a, a more succinct way to express this viewpoint is to take, um, take inventory of your emotional state recognize it as some crazy feeling like panic or fear or urgency and then set it aside and make it, you know, make a choice that isn't informed only by that emotion. Absolutely. So what, what keeps mindset stuff, man, every entrepreneur, you know, this man, I always say this for entrepreneurs before you get into the tactical, you have to get into the correct mindset. It's why all the introductory business books are about how you think. Because if you don't have the correct, or if you don't have winning thought processes, the tactics don't matter. The strategies don't matter. You've got to be a winner in your mind. You've got to be a winner in how you think. You've got to have a positive outlook on life, or you're going to entrepreneurship, which is up and down, up and down, up and down, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe lose him. <laughs> we'll bring him back. Come on back. Okay. Oh, there hey, we go. Do you He's have alive. Me? He's alive. Now you're back. Might've been us. I don't know. All right. Um, so, so then, so then what do like, why, why are you doing all this? Like, why are you doing smart marketer? Why are you doing boom? Why are you doing Zipify? What do you, you know, this other little million business that you got going on? Like what's, what's your reason? What's, what's your, what's pushing you? I mean, I think initially everybody just wants to eat, right? You're hungry. You hungry people uh, are motivated to better their situation, right? I grew up, didn't have a lot, didn't come from money, uh, was always, you know, the water was going out, the electricity was going out, was always like worried about money in our household, you know, hand me down clothes, the whole thing, eating the school lunch, trying to get 10 cents to pay for the bus. (laughs) So I think initially I was motivated. And as men, we are taught that uh, the way that we get value in society is by amassing wealth, right? Production is our value. So yeah. society looks at men and judges them based on how much they have produced, how much money they have made. And, and you see this throughout culture that what's being sold specifically to young men is, you know, go get the Lamborghini, get the Ferrari, buy the cool stuff, have the fancy apartment, uh, wear the Rolex watch, right? Like it's all about status and, and what you can um, – obtain you know and ultimately most people get there and if that's their sole motivation they get all of this stuff and then it feels hollow because it's like well what is the point of all of this crap if i have no friends you know they're not Um, fulfilled so i think initially for me 
the goal was to not have to spend my time doing something I didn't like, right? So like I uh, was playing poker for a living in New York City and that was wonderful, but it was a bit of a degenerative lifestyle. I took a job. I was working 80 hours a week. It was a fine job, but I thought, man, I, I have... I would like to be putting my attention elsewhere than working an 80 hour a week job. So this is what got me started in entrepreneurship was I was looking for something beyond the traditional trading time for money system, which I think is a loser, right? I think if the goal is wealth creation or to amass resource that you can then direct towards causes that you find noble, then you're not going to amass much resource working for someone else. That's just kind of a description, right? Sure. I learned about that. And so um, that's ultimately what got me started when I think everyone is searching for some kind of freedom, personal freedom, time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom. Like this is what gets us started. But what happens is once you reach a level of success, there's a certain level. And I think the study said in our society, $75,000 and above. Once you're at 75 grand, you don't get any happier by making more money. Like your, your food's covered, your, your bills are covered, you can kind of live. Like, like money buys you comfort. It doesn't buy you happiness, right? Yeah. And so um, for me, I uh, am driven by the desire to amass. I've figured out something that nobody figures out, really. A lot of people struggle with figuring out this wealth creation thing, and I've figured this out. So sure. I feel it as a responsibility to, to amass as much resource as I possibly can in, in a pleasurable way, not in a miserable way. Like I don't want to go into an office 40 hours a week, which is why I work from home. Like there, I have certain, you know, like there's, I got uh, standards, but to amass as much. And look, Hey, listen, if you work an office gig and you've got an office for your company, like I have gone virtual, I got 75 people. We're all virtual. And I've got, there are pros and cons to virtual versus uh, non-virtual. And we can talk about those. Um, but I have chosen, to, to do it virtually. I don't, I don't want to have to be somewhere every day, all day. Um, but I lost my train of thought now. What's Where your drive? Like what's, what's your, what's driving you? What's your passion? Okay. What, so, what are you yes. okay. so um, I think that uh, it is a responsibility for those of us who have the ability to generate as much resource as we possibly can and direct it towards causes that we find noble. Uh, I've got a lot of people to take care of. I want to take care of my community and the people who raised me and um, my extended family. And I want to uh, buy up lands and protect them. And I have a lot of ideas for what it would, what causes that I think are noble in the world that I want to contribute to. And I have a skill set that allows me to contribute to those causes by directing resource in their direction, which is to generate wealth and then use that wealth towards um, different, different things. And so uh, for me, I have a lot of desire to have impact on myself and the people around me. And I can do that through generating resource and the way that I generate resources through online businesses. And I want to live a life. I think even higher than that is I want to spend my life hanging out with my wife, you know, um, partying with her and enjoying life together and raising a family and like yep. doing what I do now. I am able to uh, spend a lot more time with my friends and family than most people because I'm working from home and doing my own thing rather than driving to a, to a job, you know? So I think it's, it's all of the above, right? Time freedom, location freedom, financial freedom, and have bigger goals beyond my own personal needs. But I think we all start with the desire to cover our own personal needs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So what, so where are you getting your knowledge? Like you've learned how to build wealth. So where, like today, like the last month, two months, where are you reading books? Are you reading, are you watching trainings? Are you buying trainings? Like, how do you get your education? What are you doing? I think that uh, in life, you get what you want from people who have it. So like, if you want to learn how to do something, you find someone who knows how to do that thing and you learn it from them. I mean, it's like really the apprentice model. And Mm. I um, have a lot of different types of media that I consume. I will listen to podcasts. I will watch videos on the internet. I read books. I talk to people who know what I want to know. I network and make friends with folks who are doing things that I think are interesting. So I think there's really, it's less about the particular medium and more about like, if you see someone who's out there building funnels and selling online like you are, Trey, uh, and you want to know how to do that, you find someone like you and you consume their entire content catalog. Like I'm a big fan of finding people and then like getting a real uh, idea of their philosophy and views. And a lot of folks like you, you've got a ton of content, right? You watch 10 uh, Commerce Kings podcasts, you go through one of your courses, you're going to know a lot about how you view online business and entrepreneurship. And so um, I have had so many different people that I've learned so many different things from over the years. I could not name them all. I'm a big fan of being always a student. I now, now what I do is I each, so now for me, I've made the jump from driver to navigator. I spent my whole career driving, dude, doing everything myself, uh, running the ads and figuring out the funnels and building the tech and engaging with the designers and the whole nine, you know? And um, what I found was that when you're on the road driving, it's hard to see the mountains above. It's hard to navigate the ship. It's a different skill set to navigate than it is to be the operator. And so now I've got my advertisers, my copywriters, my designers, my developers, my project managers, my social media people. And each person on my team, I bring them in and I say, hey, look, this is my goal for you. Within two years, I want you to be the best in the industry at copywriting. Within two years, I want you to be the best in the industry at Facebook advertising. Here's how we're going to get you there. We're going to put you through these 10 courses. We're going to send you to these three events. You're going to read three hours a week of these blocks. You're going to keep a notebook. You're going to meet with me once a month and tell me what you learned, what you want to implement. Like now I am like, it's like the Sims game. I'm building pathways for other people to access knowledge. Because for me, man, I think the real thing that you want to be good at is direct response marketing online, buying advertising, telling stories, building out funnels. You know, if you know that skill set, how to, how to create an audience through paid amplification, engage that audience in a story, add value to their life and offer them a product, you can pretty much sell anything. I mean, every one of these businesses, boom, Zipify, uh, Smart Marketer, Be Friendly, they all have the same business model. And so uh, I think that that is the skill set that you want to acquire. It's why, we're, it's why it's Smart Marketer, Commerce Kings. You know, I think marketing, and I think you hold this viewpoint too, is where it's at. Um, I, I love, I love the driver and the navigator aspect. Like that's, that's big. When did you, when did you feel the shift? So what happened is I think that, um, that basically where this happens for people is different. I'll tell you where it happened for me. I think that a business of one person can, uh, get to a couple hundred grand, two to three people. You can get to a couple million, uh, five, you know, two, three people plus subcontractors, like your subcontracting design, your subcontracting development, your subcontracting, you know, uh, video production, let's say five to seven people plus subcontractor, you can get to the multiple millions. And I think it's when you get from the 
three people, like you and a couple folks and some, some contractors, mm-hmm. to right around the like five to 10, you as the person who probably is listening to this is responsible for the operation, the CEO, have to start to make that shift. For me, that's right where it happened. I could still be kind of the manager and the person who project managed everything and the person who kind of was responsible for everything until we were right about five. And then at that point, things kind of started to fall apart. And what, and what I needed, I have a whole course on this, on like how I scaled my team. Oh, cool. um, what's the course called? I think there's diff- what's that? What's the course called? Uh, it's called Smart Project Management. And boy, is it ever the, the secret to us going from seven to eight figures, you know? Um, so I had, to, I had to stop being the manager because I'm a terrible manager, frankly. So I had to bring in a project manager who could hold everyone accountable. Um, I've, I tell the whole story in, that, in the, the sales webinar for that course. I got a couple blog posts that go into it. What's the, what's the link? What's the link? Uh, I have to send it to you and we'll put it under this. It's, if you go to smartmarketer.com and you type in project management, you'll find it. But um, I'll give you a link okay. where I talk about this stuff. But yeah. Now, basically, anything, anything to help the listeners, that, man, like let them have it. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that, that it's right around that five to 10 where you got to, you really have to step back from being the person who's responsible for doing everything. And I'll tell you what, man, even though, because I was the bottleneck for everything, everyone had to go through me to get somewhere. And that just stops working once you get, you know, once there's a bunch of different departments and what I, even today, I'm still the driver in certain businesses, right? Like for example, I finally got myself out of advertising and I have a full-time advertiser, a couple of them, they now do it. I was the only one who could run ads for a long time. I, that, I stayed. The longest place I stayed was running ads. That was the longest position that I stayed in. But still, for Smart Marketer, I'm responsible for content. For Zipify, I'm responsible for overall strategy of what we're actually doing. And I have to sit down once a week or once, you know, and come up with ideas of what we're going to create. So what, the way I do it now is I have um, uh, about three days a week, maybe four, where I'm at 10,000 feet way up here. Yes. And I'm looking down at everything and, and I'm looking five, three to five years ahead. What are we cre- like? I think most people only look like six months ahead, three to six months. And I think if you're yeah. not looking two years minimum, yep. you're missing out on what you could create. And so, but then one to maybe two days a week, I'm still looking right here in front of me. What's happening right here, 30 days out, 10 days out. So I still make the, make the jump between, but I'm doing it deliberately and I mostly now meet with people and I don't operate. I'm not running ads. I'm not writing copy. I'm not informing design. You know, I'm not doing any development. I'm mostly doing strategy, talking to people. I'm not holding anyone accountable. You know, so for the most part, I'm navigating, but I still do some driving. And I think that you're always going to do some driving. I like to tinker. Messenger came out. I was like, I'm going to tinker with that. Played with Messenger. And now I put the team on it. So I still think you're always kind of out there on the fringe Yep. And for like, you too, man, you got to be making the relationships. I got to go to Pirates Cove and meet people like you because Russell Brunson's not going to invite my ads manager, unfortunately. <laughs> so I, I have to do that part. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get it. So, where, so dude, when I was, I was sitting down uh, five years ago with, the, with a nice guy, his name's uh, Mark. I'm sitting down with Mark and he goes, man, you, like, you, you probably have the same thing. He's like, man, you're going to be successful. You're going to do great. You're going to do good things. And, and, I, and I love that. I was, I was like, oh, you know, pat me on the back. But one thing he said to me was, just know where you're going to park the cash, what you're going to do with the money. And I didn't even know what that meant or what he meant by that until three years later, four years later, where 
you're sitting on some cash, right? It's just sitting there in the bank and cash goes to zero, right? When it just sits in the bank because of inflation. So I always ask them like, you know, a marketer, savvy marketer like yourself, you're doing well, you have cash, um, you're buying, you know, buying a house. What, what do you, what do you like to do with your cash? What do you do investments, put in a safe and toss in the back room? Well, I mean, I think there's, there's, um, different, uh, sort of avenues for cash. Like if you just look at, if you just want a, a description of what I am currently doing, cause I have, I have thoughts on this and then I have what my reality is. Let's so, do both. Let's do both. Okay. Let's start with the reality of my money. Okay. All right. So the reality of it is I spend some of it on my life. I think if we were to poll, poll like P-O-L-L, the people listening to this, you will probably find that on the low end, folks are spending between 30 and 50 grand a year to live, maybe less if they're just, just getting started. And on the high end, you probably have people's lifestyles who cost 250,000 a year, 350,000 a year, half a million a year, you know? Yes. My, I live, you know, modestly, but I also consume and I, you know, so, so I have a, I spend money on my life, you know, to live, uh, you know, I, I eat organic food, you know, I, um, uh, have, uh, people who, who trim my lawn, you know what I mean? Like I'm not out doing the gardening or whatever, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So I have like my lifestyle, <laughs> then I have people that I'm taking care of and, um, money that I'm donating to charity and money that I'm doing. Uh, like what I would label sort of philanthropic things with that does not come back to me. Like, it's not like I'm putting this money into something that then is mine again, you know, or I'm investing it or no, I'm just doing stuff that I think is fun and cool. And that I feel really good about with my money. Yeah. That's a part of it. Now you want to talk about the more strategic, like how am I growing money? Because it's, it's easy to make money and hard to keep it right. Money doesn't like to stay. Like you said, it likes to move, you know? Um, so I will give you a couple things that I'm doing. The first and foremost thing that I do for the, like, the, the uh, bulk of what I put my money in is back into my own cash flow generating businesses. Mm-hmm. I believe in my ability to turn a greater ROI on $50,000 or $100,000 or more than any amount of stocks and bonds, any kind of crypto, any kind of passive real estate investment, whatever, right? So um, I, have, I invest a lot in my businesses. I'm always expanding, growing, adding new things in, trying new stuff, running ads, uh, launching new brands, you know? So I'm investing a lot in operating businesses and building my team, hiring advertisers, hiring designers, hiring developers, having them work across multiple projects because smart marketer, Everything is managed by Smart Marketer. Everyone, like you have employees of Boom, employees of Zipify, employees of Smart Marketer, but Smart Marketer manages design, development, advertising, copy, project management, all of the marketing for every brand. It's the marketing arm. It's the agency, if you will. And I could always add, I could take, I could send an email and have a couple ten to $30,000 a month clients that I'm doing this kind of marketing for, that I do for Boom, that I do for Smart Marketer, I do for my own brands. For them, if I wanted, so I'm building my team. So I think number one, cash flow businesses, best place to put your money. Number two, I'm investing my money in land. I bought a big chunk of land uh, that I am developing and uh, going to move onto uh, and live on, and it's a uh, uh, it will appreciate over the years. I bought a house that I've now sold 
Um, I'm not doing rental properties because I don't want the um, job of a landlord. A lot of people are into that. Put your money in rental properties, fix them up, manage them, rent yep. them out, cash flow positive. Not my business model. My business model is e-commerce online businesses that I can run from my laptop. I don't got to talk to some schmo in Florida or wherever this rental property is. Like I don't want to do, do that. You know, not that I don't think it's a good model. Uh, obviously I've got your 401ks and your, uh, you know, Roth IRAs and your retirement accounts and just your standard, you know, I, I'm, I'm deliberate about, you know, I've got money in the market and all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. mostly I put my money into cash flow businesses. I think that's the best place to put your money because it's on your shoulders. I don't, I'm not, I want to give my money to someone. I'm investing. I invested 25 grand in many chat. That's a uh, Facebook messenger bot. I've invested in a couple other soft look, but the thing is I have influence now over what many chat does. I can tell them, Hey, you guys should do this. Um, Shopify apps come to me all the time. So I invest in other e-commerce brands and other softwares so that if they ever sell, I've got a percentage, but I also can advise them. So I'm doing some investing. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Dude, we're running, we're running low on time. I love, I love, I love all this. This is fantastic. This is amazing stuff. And it's, and it's stuff you can go implement, right? It's not just rah-rah. It's actual content that you can go out and take and, you know, change. Well, that's life. what I like about what you do, man. You're putting out stuff that people can actually implement and use. It's bite-sized. It's digestible. It's like, Hey, here's what to do. I think it's cool, man. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Well, here's what I want to do, man. Is first off, thank you for being on the Commerce Kings podcast. That's it's been amazing. And then uh, what Thanks. I want to do is I want to flip the screens and I want to take you behind the scenes with Commerce Kings and uh, ask you a few kind of more non-public uh, questions, if you will, and just kind of dive in a little bit deeper. So we're just going to go do that. Thanks for watching, guys. Commerce Kings uh, behind the scenes. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>